Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Yeah, hey everybody, welcome. What a great show we've got planned for all of you today. Uh, Look, I love love talking about a couple things. And why do I love talking about these things? I'm going to tell you what they are in a hot second here. But I first want to say hello to Jamie and hello to Mr. Benny. How are you both today? Good. Same here. I'm telling you, these are people of very few words. There we go. Because we're busy Good. running everything else. Not, I, <laughs> I mean, come on. I know. Sorry, Pat. Didn't know we needed to go into a lengthy <laughs> conversation right about now. Uh, this morning, uh, look, I'm going to, you know, Dr. Greg Hammer joining me here today. We got a great conversation we're going to have. Professor at Stanford University, School of Medicine, physician, best-selling author, mindfulness expert. We're going to be talking about, you know, a conversation that I love to have, the power of intention. But, you know, this is a different conversation about it. Now, look, <clears throat> some people might say, want to blame Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for setting the attention of climate change. (laughs) Some of you may want to blame her for that. Hence, the photos I got this morning from all of my peeps back from the East Coast in the Bronx showing me a subway train that I used to take to get to school with all the water. And so here's what I want to say. My heart goes out to you. I mean, honestly, I lived in Somerset, New Jersey. There is. So much water, unexpected. And I will say to everybody there and all of you, um, from all of us out here that live in the rain, 200 plus days of the year, it's never even close to what you all are experiencing. Not even close. When I lived in the great flood, it wasn't close. So what I want to say before we start today's show you know, where we are going to really uncover some, I mean, whenever you lift up the rock, you don't know what's going to come out of it. That's what we're talking about today. But I just wanted to say to all of you in New York, in the East Coast, Maryland, all of you and what you're experiencing, man, our prayers and our wishes go to all of you. And here's what I want to say. And I said it on a show this morning, whatever you think you are, you're more than that. You are incredible, especially those of you that I know you come together, you support each other, and we are with you. Uh, Today and today's show is so much a part of a conversation about our future. I didn't know I would wake up today and I get these messages on my phone and they pop up and they're like, some of them love them. Some of them are like, what just happened? But I think about this and I think about our lives and I think about where we are today in the world. 
I wonder if you all believe, I just wonder in today's world, do you all believe, are you still hanging out with us here on the Transformation Network and Transformation Talk? Are you still hanging out with us in the notion that you could experience intentional living? Because if you are, we're going to give you more of it today. If you're not, we're going to give you more of it today. And if you'd like to be, we're going to give you more of it today. Because there are things that we'll share today on the show that literally happen, and in my life, miraculously, miraculously based on what Dr. Greg Hammer is about to share today. And that's what we want to infuse in the world today. That's the part of the conversation today to let everybody know it's available to you. Uh, great to have you here, Dr. Hammer. It's great to have you on the show. I'm not sure if I should call you Dr. Greg. I like that too. Uh, great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. It's really a pleasure to join you this morning. Um, I can't talk enough about things in my life at the most unexpected time, in the most ridiculous way that have shown up. And I want to start out with this, and then I want you to roll with it. People ask me, how did I get on this track, right? How did I go from studying in school for 10 years to paying for airtime in 2003 on a show that wasn't even called this? I dialed the wrong phone number. But is that really the answer? So I have a card over there on the shelf. I might even get it during the break. And it's my crust-busting business card that I started. And on the back of it, it said I wanted to reach a million people to help them live life full out. I believed it in every bone in my body, and I felt it. Could I have set the intention to do that? but perhaps not in an outcome that I could have even conceived. What do you think, Doc? I think that one who lives with intention, and I'm going to put that intention in the context of the four pillars of our spiritual well-being, which include gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. I think when one lives their life embracing those elements, there is a world of possibilities that unfold. And we don't necessarily recognize all the doors that were closed. We simply go through the doors that are open. And for you, that meant your transition or multiple transitions from where you began to where you are now. And it's just a natural phenomenon and a natural progression. So it's not some miraculous turn of events. It's just that you don't remember the times when you dialed the correct number. (laughs) And I'll leave it at that. No, I think you're right on with that. (laughs) Although I will tell you, you know, as uh, you know, as a best-selling author, as that person, whenever you sit down to write a book or perhaps to reflect, that's when you kind of reflect on exactly what you just said. Some of the times, you know, where you dial the right number, Um, you know, gain without pain. This to me, somebody that grew up, I grew up as an athlete. 
you know, I spent a lot of years in the gym with crazy bodybuilder type guys uh, to play a sport that <laughs> it's a little white ball that weighs close to nothing. And man, how many times have people said to me and have you said to each other, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as you got to put the pain in. You got to get the pain. You got to have the pain. And I got to tell you, I'm looking at my life right now and I'm saying I'm so like not I'm done with pain, like pain, like what that I I'm just like, okay. I need to know a different way. And yet here we are talking about this gain without pain. How many people believe that's a reality? What's your experience? I think there are a few different ways to consider that question. One is that pain is a part of life. Yeah. So life is about joy and it's also about pain and suffering. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the pain is inevitable. The question really is, what do we do with the pain? And I have a formula in the book, yeah. which is that suffering equals pain times resistance. And in this context, acceptance is the opposite of resistance. So when we fail to accept the pain that is integral to our being, we magnify our suffering. So... You know, the, the book title is a little bit catchy, perhaps. It's not <laughs> to transmit the message that there's no pain in life. Quite the contrary. It's really all about what we do with the pain. And through our intention, we can open our hearts to it and accept it. And I just want to share with you that the other day I was listening to uh, this may have been an interview between Terry Gross and Aretha Franklin. I'm not sure, but it had to do with the magic of blues and blues music, which is near and dear to me. I grew up in Chicago. Uh, I went to medical school a block away from a new blues bar that opened up, which is still there. And I used to go sit there in the evenings and uh, read the newspaper, no cover charge, great music. And I still go back to Chicago every year so that I can go to that blues venue. Why is blues so moving and just so uplifting? And I think one of the reasons is that we, through listening to blues music and really connecting with it, we open our hearts to the pain and we accept it. So the music is all about the pain and there we are sitting in a club with a bunch of other people and kind of moving our bodies and we're opening our hearts to that pain and we're accepting it with a smile. And so pain can be accepted and through acceptance of the pain that again is, is integral to our being, we diminish the suffering and that is done through intention. It doesn't just happen. Our natural instinct is to try to repel the pain and to push it away and to, submerge it. And so it's only through our intention that we can open our heart to it mm -hmm. and therefore diminish our suffering. You know, it's interesting you and I are talking about that. I grew up in the East Coast and in New York and, you know, uh, where would I spend, you know, Fridays would come and I would sneak off, right? 
and pop out. And there I'd go down to the Blue Note Cafe down in a village, right? And, you know, at a certain young age, you can't get in. But I remember just bringing my own booze outside, just saying. And uh, and there I was and I'd be outside and the doors would inevitably be open. And you and it's an interesting question. What was my draw to that? You know, what was it that hit me so in every cell of my body? Right. That music. And, you know, I mean. The question that that you raise and believe me, that was intentional. I mean, I, do you know how many subways I had to take to get down there from the Bronx? Just saying. Um, but it was intentional, you know, getting up and being drawn to that. And, you know, here we are today. And, you know, what you're talking about, gain without pain. I love that you wrote a book about this because look at the profession you're in. Pediatric, right? Yeah. And uh, cardiac anesthesia and intensive care. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know, like as a woman. I don't know that like old school when you didn't get any kind of pain meds and you're giving that you're giving birth to that baby. Oh, (laughs) my God. What comes close to that? Uh, Rotator cuff surgery. Yeah. Um, But in the conversation, this is about a pathway to happiness. Right. We're talking about a pathway to happiness. And, you know, what I love about talking with you about is that intentional living is available to all of us, right? How much does that cost? Is it just for like, you know, the people that are on the mountain over there in Tibet? I actually met that dude, but is it just for him? And I think what you're bringing to the table for us today is this is an invitation and this is what's available to us. And by the way, this can be life-changing. You know, can you just talk for a minute I just love to to know how somebody gets to be who they are. If you were to reflect on your life and reflect on the wrong numbers, the right numbers, all the phone numbers, I'd love to know how intentional or how understanding the power of intention helped you navigate the waters of your life on the pathway to happiness. Great question. Um, I certainly didn't frame my intention as such. I simply was always sort of an intense person and uh, was what you might call a seeker. Uh, I was very taken with our purpose and what is the truth. And I got into meditation. I got into psychedelics. Uh, got into hanging out with guys at an ashram. Um, and then, you know, I was in university and I was very interested in the universe and cosmology. And I noticed the resemblance, sort of the fractal resemblance of the structure of the universe to that of the human body. The way that the nano comprises the micro, which comprises the macro, and and how all the micro components, so-called components, I don't want to be too much of a materialist because that's not really the way I think, um, 
they comprise the whole. And so I noticed the difference, uh, or rather the resemblance between the universe and the human body, uh, how the subcellular contribute to form the cells that then form the tissues that form the organs that comprise the body. And then, in fact, how all the bodies, all of us humans, interact with each other to form some, something greater. Um, and so I decided to go the path of medicine because it seemed more practical to me. And I was always a very pragmatic person um, compared to, say, pursuing astronomy as a living. Mm. So I went to medical school and then I, I sort of moved in the direction of where the uh, activity sort of appealed to me. And it wasn't really I went into pediatrics initially because I really liked the people in pediatrics. I don't have that much patience for big egos and you <laughs> won't find many of those in pediatrics. Right. <laughs> the kids kind of uh, bring us back to our center, so to speak. And so I did that. And then I, I fell in love with working in the intensive care unit. I realized I like, I like it hot and heavy. I like having to make decisions on my feet. I like intervening and seeing a result immediately. And so uh, at that time, pediatric anesthesiology and critical care were more closely linked for good reason. And so I ended up uh, doing an anesthesia residency after my pediatrics residency and then fellowships in critical care and pediatric anesthesia. And I haven't looked back. Um, so my current avocations include critical care and anesthesiology for children. And also I have a laboratory where I do pharmacology research. So it, it's all been kind of a natural path. And in the meantime, um, I sort of had an epiphany 10 or 12 years ago, all this seeking I was doing and trying to find the truth. I, I realized that the thing I was really looking for was happiness. And I think that's really all that the 7 billion of us on the planet want. And I recognized that it was really within me and that by sort of being on the outward going path, one might say the tantric path in a sense, um, maybe that wasn't the best way for me to proceed with my journey. In fact, more of an inward path, more of a sinking into the reality of my own happiness dawned on me. And uh, I think there was a synergy between that stage and then meeting a spiritual teacher with whom I still sit and he's become a friend of mine. Yeah. And he simply reinforced this idea that happiness is our true nature, that it's always there, that it's always, it's, it's not only always accessible, it's just always there. And it may be veiled by the way, and, and I, this is my own way of looking at it, our own happiness may be veiled by the way that our minds work. And now we get back to intention because... Our minds are sort of hardwired, I think, in two ways that interfere with our sinking into our hearts and our happiness. And they are that, one, we have a negativity bias. We tend to remember the negative and forget the positive. And I tell some stories about that in the book. Um, and the other component of the way our minds are hardwired that interferes with our happiness beside the negativity bias is the obsession with the past and the future. And we sort of resist being in the present moment. And there are reasons that I can think of for that, although it doesn't really matter. 
Um, we tend to dwell on the past and the future in ways that are maladaptive. So there are adaptive ways of, of being having our thoughts directed to the past. We want to recognize our mistakes and learn from them. That's adaptive. We want to savor the wonderful memories we've had with loved ones. That's adaptive. But beyond that, when we obsess over our past, uh, we tend to generate a lot of regret, remorse, shame, um, self-judgment, negative self-judgment. Here again is our negativity bias. So the two work together. And likewise with the future, it's great to plan for the future, to put bread on the table and look forward to wonderful times. But beyond that, our obsession with the future generates fear and anxiety. And uh, this is the way our brains are hardwired. But the good news is we can change the way our brains work, our minds work. We have a, a wonderful property called neuroplasticity. That means that the pathways that generate our thoughts can be changed through intention. And, you know, we can talk more about that. But yeah. Uh, so that's how I got to where I am now. Maybe that was a long-winded way of saying it, but uh, on the other hand, maybe that's about as concise as I can get. No, and it's not long-winded. And, you know, this is a show that was built on, you know, for me, uh, honoring people. I've interviewed people from the day that I started this show without any real skills. I mean, honestly, I don't come from this place of journalism. I don't even know what you call it. Um I really did dial a wrong phone number that turned out to be so right. But I also come from heartbreak, as you do. Um, I also come from deep loss. I was reading your book, and I just, I, I could just feel, can't experience it exactly the way you did, but I could feel this. My mom committed suicide when I was a child. Um, I understand this kind of pain. And yet, when people ask me about it, I talk about what I learned in life that I don't know that I would have learned without that experience. And, you know, there's a darkness that I think some of us go down you, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but there's a darkness that happens in our lives until something different happens. And, you know, that's why I love speaking with you, Greg, because, you know, I, I thought about this as, as I was getting ready and reading the book and, you know, just and I thought, you know, to become a spokesperson for this kind of happiness, I asked myself and then found out what challenge did Greg have to overcome? Because I know it's there. You know, I know it was there for me. Um, basically, my mom's suicide, drugs and alcohol. I buried three sisters for the same Um my stepmom's heart exploded. And so, but here I am with the nickname of Pollyanna Patty and, you know, and in service of having a conversation with you to help other people. And, you know, I want to talk about this because being the 
early on skeptic of intention, interviewing Wayne Dyer and other people, I've come to a very similar place. And I really would love the world to learn what we've learned. I would really love to be able to speak to the people listening to this show or watching this or, you know, the I can't even I don't even know how many are downloading this through the 50 plus other media outlets we have, because truly in my heart and I know in your heart, there's a message we want to give people when we come back from break. We're going to talk about that message. We're going to talk about you know, what I call IH or better known HI, the happiness intention. When we come back, more from Greg. I want to tell you about the book. I want to tell you how you can find out more about this. And as we go through this process, something he and I learned, maybe not in the same way, but without it. And when I teach a workshop and people have really struggled to do it, I have them hold up a stop sign, meaning your life and your happiness will stop here if you don't do this. What is it? What am I talking about? Is it gummy bears? I don't think so. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Although they do work. Have you ever felt Like if you just had the right tools and resources, you'd be able to carve a path toward the life your heart is aching for. Guess what? You have everything you need inside you. I'm Natasha Ornedo, and I'm here to show you that your healing is in your hands. Tune into my show, Unlock the Healing Path, every second and fourth Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about me and my work, visit NatashaOrnedo.com. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. You're driven, and it totally shows. Your career is taking off. You're killing it in the mom game. But did your health needs make it on the plate this week? Tune in to the Boss Up Babe radio show, where Carissa Adkins helps babes show up, boss up, and thrive. Every second and fourth Tuesday at 1230 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Become the boss babe you were meant to be. To sign up for one of Carissa's group coaching programs, visit 365dailyhustle.com. Parenting isn't about perfection. I think we all know that. Parenting is about being present and honest, having compassion for your child and for yourself, communicating consciously and loving unconditionally. Tune in to The Awakened Parent Project with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday at noon Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be an empowered parent through the techniques of the conscious parenting community. To learn more about Susan, visit SusanDolce.com. We're back in that jazz mood, aren't we? I don't know. What happened to the rap music, Benny? So, oh my gosh. There you go. Thank you, Benny. I like it. You're welcome. I'm going to leave that in my car. Boy, I got to have me some baked something now. (laughs) I'm telling you. 
Imagine you are a ball of steel, smooth, small, and cool to the touch. Your life will soften you with fire. You will take hits that shape you. You will be forged into a powerful, purposeful work of art. Tune in to Forging a Life with Coach Christine Clark. Join in Dr. Papasili in a three-part series, Truths in the Creation of Katana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Christine Clark, a gifted, engaging speaker and trainer who has forged her life in the fires of self-employment, will take you on a journey to exploring the internal, mental, and emotional blocks that stand between us and a life of significance through an analogy of the process of crafting a traditional Japanese sword or katana. For more information about Christine, visit sunglowtransformation.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Wow, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Yeah. Just so you know, for those of you out there, you were asking me. Uh, yes, I just want to say that right after this, Sue Storm will be joining you uh, on the show today. It's so great to have all of you have Sue show up, the angel lady I referenced her before. But today, I want all of you to meet my very special guest, Dr. Greg Hammer. Um, um, Dr. Hammer, do me a favor before we kind of get rolling here, because there is so much to talk about. How do people find out more about you? How do they find out about your book? Uh, all of the above, so to speak. They can go to my website, which is greghammermd.com, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com, all lowercase. And there's a lot of uh, media there. Um, and there's a link to the book. The book is also on Amazon. So if they just go to Amazon and put uh, Gain Without Pain, Greg Hammer in the search window, uh, it'll come up. Mm. Thank you very much. Look, in, in the first parts of the book, and we're going to talk about that thing that I referenced before the break, that thing that if you don't have it or you don't do it or you don't even fake doing it, you might as well hold the big stop sign up in front of your life. This is me speaking now. Or maybe you should just get the tattoo, like the big stop sign, like right on your forehead. And we're going to talk about what that thing is, because there's a backdrop for this. And the backdrop is the pain that you experienced. Uh, I talked about the suicide of my mom with you during the break. And then I also talked about the level of drug and alcohol addiction in my family. 
it is by no way short of a miracle that I'm even here uh, speaking with you. But you too went through this. And the reason that I like to, to bring this up is because what you have put forward in this book is more than just a connotation or an invitation for people. It's really to say, look, this is what I went through. I'm a doctor. Look at the level of burnout that's happening in my profession. You know, look at this number of suicide rates, right? Look at what's happening here. And yet you've come out the other side to write a book that is transformative for people. But you've gone through the pain yourself, haven't you? Yes. Well, I, I think that when I decided to go into intensive care medicine and cardiac anesthesiology for children, I realized I was going to be dealing with death quite a lot. And so I better have a way to come to grips with that. Otherwise, I would be uh, an unhappy person. And yeah. a lot of my colleagues say, well, you can't get too close to your patients because when they don't do well, it's too painful. And I actually... I, I don't feel that way. I, I believe that the challenge is to live your life in a way that uh, pain and suffering and, and death are part of your life and uh, not something that you try not to think about or try not to get close to. Quite the opposite. I think um, the closer you get to it, the better off you are. And so the A in gain is acceptance and um the gain uh, approach is also uh, a meditation, which I describe in the book. So I start my day every day with getting up and doing my morning hygiene and then finding a comfortable place to sit and then doing what can be as little as a three-minute meditation. It's mine is generally longer, but it can be done in three minutes. And it's a contemplation, really, of the elements of gain. And so it's a matter of getting in touch with the breath, appreciating the breath coming in through the nose and slowing it down, maybe in, in inhaling to a count of three and holding or pausing for a count of three and then letting the breath go effortlessly to a count of four. And doing that for a few cycles until our adrenaline level is sinking and our heart rate is slowing. And then going through a contemplation of first gratitude. And I have much for which to be grateful. We can talk about gratitude later or some other time if you'd like. Um, and then I get to acceptance. And the first thing in acceptance every morning for me is the death of my beautiful son at the age of 29. And, of course, you know, one cannot describe the pain associated with that. But, again, uh, if suffering is pain times resistance we can control through our intention the resistance and we can learn to lower the resistance to the point where the suffering is minimal. And again, we, we are best served by understanding that pain and suffering are part of our lives. It doesn't separate us from anybody else. It, if anything, connects us because it's something that we all experience. So for me, that A, in gain, being acceptance, first thing that comes to mind is my beautiful son and I sort of breathe that in, go back to the breath, maybe go back and forth between awareness of the breath and then noticing my chest opening and my heart opening in a physical way. I, I actually picture the opening of my heart and bringing the pain associated with my son's death closer and closer and closer 
until it's inside my heart, until it's merged with my heart, with myself. And there's no distance, no separation. And if I were to ask myself the question, can I live with this pain forever? The answer is yes. And by doing that exercise as part of my morning meditation, in a way, I'm celebrating that this is something that we all endure. And when you bring it close and when you lower your resistance to it, there's actually a certain beauty to it. And we can go back to the discussion of blues music and why people are so drawn to it. They're actually celebrating in a way, the pain that we all experience. And, you know, I think through my own gain approach, I transitioned from just feeling a lot of suffering to actually feeling gratitude that I had 29 years with him. And it was 29 years full of life and full of laughter and full of difficulty and all of the above. But I'm grateful for the time that we had. And, uh, and so that's, that's a demonstration of living with intention because, you know, of course, our natural response to something like that, that we all experience, we don't all have children that we lose, but we all have pain and suffering in our lives. And our natural reaction is to repel it, to try to distance ourselves from it. And that is resisting it, and that magnifies our suffering. And so the way to drop our resistance is through intention. We have to notice it. We have to put a target on it in a way. We have to focus our attention on letting go of the resistance to the pain. And that's part of living with intention. Yeah. Um, I was really struck by, as I was reading the book, And I just want to tell everybody, I just, uh, I cannot say enough about how this book is really the book. You know, there's so many right now, there's so many messages, but this is really a message for our time. Because if we were to do a show like this, and I acknowledge what's going on in the East Coast right now, and floods beyond your imagination, but, you know, this doesn't go without talking about the past 20 months and talking about what's still going on. Pain is an understatement for the way people talk about the loss they've experienced. And what Dr. Greg is bringing forth, and it's said so beautifully in one of the quotes in your book, and I thought, wow, this has got to be the mother of intentions, right? This one here. And it's a quote in your book, and you come right out of the gate with it. And, and I read it like five times and I'm like, let me say it again. Happiness is simply to allow everything to be exactly as it is from moment to moment. What? What? Right? Now, there's a reason you put that in the book, that quote from Rupert Spira, right? Uh, and there are many other things in here. But if I take that quote and I bring it forward, to that thing that I said before the break, that thing that if we do not understand, which you also had to go through, if we do not understand this and cannot implement a way to embrace it, develop it within us and do it, you might as well hold up a giant stop sign for happiness. And let's jump to that. 
Because if happiness is that quote, then what is forgiveness in the equation, Dr. Gregg? Well, in the book, uh, Dr. Fred, Fred Luskin, who's a yeah. friend of mine, was kind yeah. enough to co-author that chapter on forgiveness and compassion. It's amazing. And I, I mean, for me, I put forgiveness in the context of gain, again, because uh, perhaps the, the, the quickest way to use the gain approach to get to forgiveness and compassion is to focus on the end in gain, which is non-judgment. And so when I do my gain meditation in the morning, uh, when I get to non-judgment, the first thing I see is an image of the earth apparently suspended in space from space. You know, imagine just one of the many thousands of beautiful NASA images we have of the earth uh, from uh, an orbit of the moon or from elsewhere. And the earth is such a beautiful planet. It's just sitting there. And what I think, if I can sort of paraphrase what astronauts have related about the epiphany they experience uh, from space, is that the earth is just beautiful. It is itself neither good nor bad. It just is exactly as it is. And those little humans running around on the surface aren't going to change it much. Granted, there are are ways that we are changing it. But when you look at the earth from space, or you look at images of that, what strikes me is that the planet itself is neither good nor bad. I can have what Francis Lucille called a benevolent indifference toward it. It's beautiful, but I don't need to judge it. It's not good nor bad. And then we can transition to perhaps what's most difficult, which is to look at ourselves in the same way. If the earth is neither good nor bad, then maybe we ourselves are neither good nor bad. We don't have to label everything as good or bad or compare everything to something else. That person is smarter than I am. I'm better looking than that person. I wish I were as athletic as he. We don't have to make those comparisons. We don't have to cast judgments. If we see the world and ourselves and others as well without judgment, we see things as they truly are. And so we get to forgiveness and compassion. Forgiveness is simply seeing others for what they are. They are neither good nor bad. If you want to take uh, sort of a causation approach, you can say, well, they got what they got from their parents. You got what they got from their parents. And, you know, so his great grandfather was an alcoholic. His grandfather was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic and he's an alcoholic. So don't blame him. Have compassion for him. Forgive him because he didn't start this whole thing. He simply was given those genes and that environment to be an alcoholic. So we don't need to make those judgments. We can simply see that person for who he or she is. And that automatically associates with forgiveness. Yeah. And I think, you know, to quote uh, Francis Lucille, that to see the world with benevolent indifference, we can see each other with benevolence. 
but it's kind of muted by the fact that we're not judging them as good or bad. And I think that's just a, a, a beautiful and very, for me, resonant way of looking at the world and perhaps as importantly than looking at myself. Yeah. And if I can see myself without judgment, then maybe I can begin to forgive myself and have self-compassion, which is probably for most of us the most difficult. Boy, you said it all right there. I'm really struck by, you know, a couple of things which this leads to as well, which is directly related to the power of intention. And, you know, it's really interesting when we're talking about positive emotion. And I think you mentioned PERT in the book, uh, positive emotion refocusing technique. And certainly there are now uh, tools out there that people, people like me who have a vision and wake up every day and move forward. I have to tell you, I, I put on my brain tap and I spend 20, 30 minutes and I pick whatever program in that brain tap out and I'm good to go. Or it doesn't matter what part of the day, because one of the things you pointed out to, if it's not good and it's not bad, and we're moved removed from that place of judgment, then that level of it's not good or it's not bad will also negate comparison, which means comparison to either me or the possibility or better yet, the probability of achieving what I want. And I wonder, you know, the impact of that, especially with the power of intention of literally unclogging the airways, so to speak. No, I think it's beautiful perspective, Pat. Yeah. I don't know what comparison gets us in the end game. Uh, it's tough in the world we live in today. But the way you describe this, and I love that expression, it's not good or it's not bad. You know, a number of years ago, I interviewed Deb Engel. And I remember interviewing Deb. And I remember Linda bringing her book and putting it on my desk. And I remember looking at the, the label of the book, and it was the only little prayer you need. And I thought, okay, like my head went like this, like, no, like it went like this. And Linda said, you really should interview that. And I always listen to Linda when it comes to things like that. And I went through the book. And not only did I go through the book, I read the book. And I remember thinking to myself, can forgiveness be this easy? No, seriously, Dr. Hammer, this is what I thought. And then I spoke with her. And during one of the breaks, I can't remember, I said, you know, let me do this. I'm going to practice 70 times a day for 70 days, this prayer. And here's the simplicity of it. It was simply thank you, God, or thank you, universe, or, or, or it was healed my fear-based thoughts. Thank you, God. It was, it was that simple. But I really cut it down. I cut it down to thank you, God. Thank you, universe. Thank you, whatever, whatever it is you believe in. And I did it 70 times a day for 70 days. It is my go-to. I don't even know how many times I rotate that in my mind. It's almost like the kryptonite to fear. And I want to ask you this in the time we have left. The power of intention is so pure in my experience. 
I wish everyone can learn this, right? But the ideas that you present in your book have to almost be a precursor, right? I think the elements of game, you know, which is my, uh, try to simplify the way one can look at the world and, and look at themselves. And, uh, the acronym just sort of came to me and I figured, well, you know, I studied Buddhism at university and I had a hard time remembering the seven paths of this and the 12 ways of that, (laughs) or I can kind of wrap my arms around. So, and the four are so interrelated and it seems like they're also all encompassing. And I would say that it is elegantly simple to embrace these principles, they are just so naturally the truth. And so when we talk about intention, it's very simple. I think what everyone should know is there's really not much to it. It's already within us. And as an educator, I've recognized that we learn in small bites and through repetition. And so I've tried to present something that's bite-sized and um, something that should be recognized every day. Like you said, you did this thank you God or thank you universe practice daily for 70 days. You did it obviously multiple times a day Um, and you learned it and it became embedded in the way you think. And that's again, back to the power of intention, but it also, and as I said, I think these GAIN elements are just, beautifully interwoven and interdependent yep that intention is linked to gratitude the g in game what you were doing was expressing your gratitude and you were exercising your intention through expression of gratitude and you know again your intention to be grateful your intention to be accepting your intention to be non-judgmental um and through practicing non-judgment, you're exercising that intention. So again, they're, they're so closely interwoven. And, uh, you know, I think this is just such a resonant, almost musical, simple, and beautiful yeah. principle. And, um, you know, I, I like your thank you universe. You know, you might say thank you consciousness, although... Everything. It doesn't matter what you call it. <laughs> Yeah, it's to represent in a way, I mean, words are limited in their ability to express the truth. Um, Thank you, God, or thank you, consciousness, uh, pretends that there's something separate about God or consciousness, which, of course, there isn't. It's what we're made of. Yep. But um, nevertheless, I think, you know, given the uh, limitations of our language, uh, it's a beautiful intention. Well, what I didn't say, and this is also too, I didn't really say what my belief and my spiritual belief is. I don't know if you know this. My nickname is I'm a street smart spiritualist. That's the nickname I was given. <laughs> Who gave me that? I think one of the rappers that I went to when I did a music shoot uh, and it stuck. Okay. Uh, it Dr. Street smart. That's it. But what I didn't share with you is probably the underpinnings of why I'm called Pollyanna Patty. And the underpinnings really are is I, I believe that whatever that energy life force is, whatever you want to call it, I believe it, it resides in every one of us. 
Absolutely. I believe the infinite, unlimited power. You could call it Wonder Woman 84 or Wonder Woman 24. It doesn't matter. You could call it superhero power. You know, Einstein talked about it. I think his professional people just wanted to just kick him out at some point in life. And I said, there are two ways to live. You can live as the, this is in your book. I think you could live as though nothing is a miracle or you could live as though everything is a miracle and see if we believe we have that innate power, as you so beautifully point out in your book, then anything and everything is possible. And by the way, I know we only have a few minutes left. The story you shared about almost walking in front of that bus in the book and you caught yourself. I had a moment of that in 2001 with a really careless thing I did by leaving a car door open to look at a view on Highway 101 in California with my best friend in the car and not putting the car in park. (laughs) And you and I can't explain how you how it didn't happen, but I know this. Every time I I think about that and I read that experience, I could feel it. And I could feel how grateful I was as I rushed back to the car as it was getting ready to go over the ledge. And I jumped in the car with my best friend, who's my producer, with the door wide open, and I hit that brake. And to this day, I wonder if that was my gift from the universe to remind me to be grateful. And I think you say that so brilliantly in the book. And I want to thank you for that, Dr. Hammer. I want to thank you for giving us the gain formula and for allowing us one more time to be reminded about how powerful we are. Um, Thank you for today. I would love to know your personal message. And again, let folks know how they can get a copy of your book. Uh, They can go to my website, which is greghammermd.com, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R.M-D.com. And the book is also on Amazon, Game Without Pain. Yeah. And I wanted to say to everybody, there's a lot. The stories in the book are fantastic. You know, you will learn vicariously by really being you know, at this place, you know, as, you know, Greg takes us on a journey, you know, even talking about tennis and his parents, but the bottom line is this, you will go on a journey, you will get exercises in the book that will help you shift. And you will then be reminded of this, whatever you think you are, you're more than that. I'm Dr. Pat, Dr. Hammer, thank you so much. Truly my pleasure, Pat, anytime. Love the book, love the messages. And I want to say this to all of you out there. There is a power within you. It's in there. I know it. Our job here on the network and my show is to remind you of it and to encourage you to tap into it each and every day of your life, regardless of what your circumstances are. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Jamie. We'll see you next time. 